Mark chapter 11. Verses 1 through 11. If you could find that in your Bible or your Bible app. So that we could read the passage from the Gospel of St. Mark on Palm Sunday. Why it is that the church throughout the world celebrates Palm Sunday and what that means. Every one of the Gospels mentions this story of Jesus' triumphal entry. Can you say triumphal? Triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem on the day we call Palm Sunday, which is uh, a week before uh, his crucifixion and resurrection. A week before the Passover is when we Christians, one billion of us around the world today, celebrate Palm Sunday. One billion. But that's only a fifth of the world's population. Only a fifth. One billion are Hindu, Buddhists. One billion are... Chinese, one billion are uh, unbelievers, um, but there's one billion of us that celebrate this day. Um, and the scripture says, and when they came near to Jerusalem, unto Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples. And he, and he saith to them, Go your way into the village nearby you, and as soon as you are entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied. You shall find a colt tied on which never man sat loose him and bring him and if any man say to you why do you do this say that the Lord has need of him and immediately he will send him here and they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said to them, What do ye loosing this colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him and he sat upon him and many spread their garments in the way and others cut down branches of the trees and spread them in the way 
and they that went before and they that followed shouted, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, evening was come and he went out into Bethany with the twelve. This is the story of Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem a week before he was crucified on the cross and before he arose mightily from the dead, defying the jaws of death, he arose from the grave. And no one else has done that in the history of humankind. That is the, that is the outstanding cornerstone of Christian faith. You'll hear pastors speak on that next week. And, and I feel like speaking on it now. But, but I will show utmost discipline and allow a pastor to bring the word next week about the mightiest event in biological history. The resurrection of one man from the dead. And scientists are still trying to solve the riddle of life over death. But one man already did. I don't want to get ahead of the game. Because we have to talk today about this procession, this actual parade of Jesus sitting on the colt of an ass, of a donkey. And uh, the scripture tells us that when they came near to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent forth two of his disciples. So it was Jesus and the twelve that were coming to Jerusalem from Bethany. John, in his account, St. John tells us that he was at the house of Lazarus. They had made a feast for him. Lazarus, the man that Jesus raised from the dead. How many remember that story? Among all the other miracle stories that Jesus did. He's not the first one that he raised from the dead. He raised another young girl, 12 years old, from the dead, the daughter of Jairus. And that's not the only miracle Jesus did. He showed the almighty cosmic power of the universe and of God when he defied the laws of gravity and walked on water. No one else has done that. Peter tried, but walked eight steps and then sank. Jesus, as we learned last week, Jesus healed a woman of an issue of blood who spent all her livelihood paying doctors to try to staunch the issue of blood. She ran out of money. She ran out of patience. She ran out of strength. Pastor Boomy spoke eloquently last week about the woman that reached her bony, emaciated fingernail 
through the legs of a fat man and said, if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And Jesus felt the power surge come from him and light her up from head to toe. And that's not the, he did miracle after miracle. He healed blind men. He healed 10 lepers at once. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. And there were so many things that Jesus did that created an expectation in the heart of Israel that this man who had spiritual powers would be the conqueror that would conquer Rome and overthrow the militant power of Rome out of Israel for time and eternity. They were looking for a militant material conquest. But they missed the whole boat. They missed the picture. Why should we eliminate the tanks and the missiles and the rockets of Russia falling on the people of Ukraine when we haven't eliminated yet the hatred and the evil that lurks in the hearts of men? That's like putting the horse before the cart before the horse. Why should I take AK-47s and pistols and rifles and guns out of the hands of the people that are shooting people on the freeway if I have not removed the evil and the hatred and the wanton sin that lurks in the heart of people that hate people for cutting them off on the freeway? There's a deeper problem to sin. And you know and I know of that problem because... We're all sinners saved by grace. We know if it wasn't for Jesus, we might be just like the people that hate each other. And maybe there's people, some of us in here, that hate each other still. Psychology can help. Medicines can help. But only one person can remove the sin from the heart of a man or a woman. And that person is Jesus Christ our Lord. So it says that he came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. The reason why he rode on the colt and the reason why he brought the mule that was the mother of the colt was because that colt was a bronco. And it was wise of Jesus to bring the mother along with the foal. And so this procession starts 350 feet above Jerusalem. Now remember on our trip to Israel that one of the main stops for us was the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus, Gethsemane, the word Gethsemane, you know, it means crushed, where Jesus was crushed in prayer. Crushed by crushed by your sins and crushed by my sins as he looked to the cross. They were on the Mount of Olives, he and the twelve. They were 350 feet above Jerusalem, looking down on the east gate of the city. From across the, 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 the river Kidron, the Kidron Valley, I remember standing there on the Mount of Olives looking down on the East Gate where Jesus will come back someday and walk through the East Gate powerfully and looking down on that mighty city 
I can see Jesus gathering the disciples and they went to the house of a man that had this donkey tied up in the front. And it says that Jesus told him, if anybody says anything to you about taking the donkey, tell them the Lord has need of him. The Lord, the word Lord means kudios. It means king. It means his royal majesty. Who's going to say no to the royal majesty when he says, come to me, I need you. Some of us today, this morning, Jesus is saying, come to me, I need you. Will you refuse? Or will you put your garments on, on, the, on the donkey and let Jesus sit on your garments? No, they did not refuse the word of the king. And so the procession began. It's like maybe a, a half mile away, going down that hill and coming into the city, into Jerusalem itself, and then into the temple. The word of God tells us that as he was coming to the temple, that people began to put their garments down on the ground, which was prophetic in the Old Testament during the reign of Ahab and Jezebel after they were destroyed. As Jehu, the new king, came into the city, the people were laying down their garments. In other words, the people were giving Jesus the red carpet treatment as he came into the city of Jerusalem in the triumphal entry. And as Jesus was coming, people are asking themselves the question, is this the Messiah? Is this the conquering Lord that will evict the Romans from Jerusalem, the hated Roman army? They were waiting for a militant Messiah. They were waiting for a Messiah with material powers. They misinterpreted who Jesus was all along. They were waiting for a militant conqueror. They were waiting for Alexander the Great. Never in the history of conquest and military warfare has a conqueror ever entered a city riding on an ass. That's anticlimactic. That's antigonal. Whenever we enter the capital cities of any country, they're conquering heroes, whether it's Alexander or Bolivar or George Washington in Washington, D.C. or Sherman, even Ulysses S. Grant, even Robert E. Lee, any conqueror. You'll never see them on a donkey. What they were expecting was a military conqueror. Their expectations was that Messiah would come and destroy the enemies of Israel with warfare. Everybody paying attention? One of the most contradictory scenes that keep me riveted to the news coming out of eastern Ukraine, southern Ukraine, the bombs and missiles destroying cities, babies holding on to their little stuffed toys, crying, baby boys crying, little kids crying, moms and dads, grandpas and grandpas, hands sticking out of the rubble of the rocks where the missiles, I don't know if you've seen the news, or do we keep up with the news? There's something horrible going on. 
There's something horrible going on in the freeways of Southern California. There's something horrible going on in the dens of drug addicts or something. They just, they just, they just, they just uh, found a, enough fentanyl, this awesome, this tremendous, ugly, evil drug that's destroying the minds and the lives of people in America that was enough to kill 300 million people. That's not good. That's evil. And so Jesus, after the miracles, the people began to think that maybe he was the delivering conqueror that they'd been waiting for. But their idea was that he would be triumphant. And there's a difference between the word triumphal and triumphant. Triumphal means royal-like, regal-like, king-like. And that's why we call it a triumphal entry because a real king was coming in. A royal king was coming in. And we're not talking about the king over a sad, desperate, poverty-stricken, no-good country like the United States of America. Although we thank God we live in freedom and democracy to a certain point. That even the church is bowing down to the mavens of politics and sleeping in the same bed with government. That the church itself has been corrupted, bowing down to the powers that be instead of standing up to let them know that we have a kingdom greater than this, with a king greater than this, with power greater than this. And his name is King Jesus. And he didn't just come to take the guns away. He came to take the evil away that pulls the trigger on the guns. He didn't just come to take the drugs away. But he came to take away that evil feeling that a person has. That I'm not worth anything. That I'm worthless. That I'm no good. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares for me. So I'm just going to sit in a corner and take this drug and forget about every problem in the world. Just to wake up the next day and see in your face in the mirror that the problem is still there. That the problem is not taking the drugs, but the evil of sin that seeks to break people. But Jesus seeks to build us up and establish a spiritual kingdom that will tear away at the roots and the foundation of the things that ruin humanity. Man, I need a tranquilizer. I'm getting, I'm getting too worked up right here. Has anybody got Advil? I can't preach when I take Advil. My body hurts, but I can't preach, so I'd rather not take it. Take it later. Does everybody know, understand what Jesus came for then? So this Palm Sunday, we're waving around a palm. And man, you know, it just made me sneeze and cough because I got allergies. How many have allergies? I like to joke with the doctor. He said, I'm always in the hospital. Thank you, Papa. And look at this handsome, fine young grandson. His parents had nothing to do with that. That belongs to grandpa and grandmas. The grandmas. See many Christmas. As my niece says, oh. People, let's understand why Jesus came. He came for a spiritual reason. 
He did not come for a material reason. But the Jews were expecting a material savior, a material king. But what God promised us in the Old Testament was that the son of God, the son of David would come to deliver us from our sin. And so Palm Sunday begins a horrible week for Jesus. Let's not even kid ourselves. You know, we're singing these beautiful songs. Yes, they're wonderful. They make us think. But let's not get too celebratory just yet. Because it signals the most horrible week in the life of Jesus. And if you are a Christian, if I'm a Christian, and, and I, want, I want to feel what Jesus felt, you need to feel the terror and the horror of knowing that he's going to the cross this coming Friday and he's going to die for your sins and mine. He's going to take your place at the cross, the judgment of God on him that belongs to you and me till he can set us free from the things that destroy us. And then God's going to raise him up the third day to prove that that's the human sacrifice that would take all sins away. And this is the guy we've been waiting for. My Jewish friends, God bless them. If any of you are listening, they said, well, we're still waiting for our Messiah. Well, my word to you is lovingly, this Messiah is the only one you're going to get. And when he comes back again, it'll be the second for us. And God willing, it'll be the first for you. And that it will change you as a people and remove the sin of arrogance and pride that lurks in all of our hearts. That is the root cause of sin. Hatred in families. Jesus came to tear that out. But man, that, that devil has deep roots in our hearts. I'm a gardener and my babies, this, I woke up this morning to see where the babies were and, and Lola and Kai Kai were in my garden. That makes me shudder. They were in the garden, not a buyer leave, not, can we go? No, they were in the garden. But it reminds me that in the garden, I'm a Mexican, so I have all kinds of Mexican herbs. I'm superstitious. Father, forgive me. I have ruda, té de limón, cola de caballo, now all that stuff. And they're in they come back in with the little herbs and go, Papa, smell this. Because I teach them to smell uh, rosemary and lavender and all those good things. But they were in the garden. And, and I'm saying, how sweet it is that here in America, our babies are happy and safe. When in other countries, they're not happy. And the sound of their singing is no longer heard in their playgrounds. But you hear the sounds of bombs and missiles blowing up their apartment buildings, making craters in the ground because somebody is hungry for property. Some evil lurks in the heart that has not been removed. That sometimes in the garden there's weeds that are short at the top, but they have a root a foot long. And it's hard to take out those roots. But Jesus has a shovel. Jesus has a shovel. And if you make your mind up that you want to be in that parade and that procession. And you want to be a part of that group that's saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, please don't be a hypocrite. 
because there's hypocrites that say Hosanna. It's the same people that were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. A week later, we're saying, crucify him. Crucify him. We have no need for him. We don't want spiritual reform. We want war with the Romans. But Jesus didn't come to war with the Romans. He came to tangle. He came to box. He came to war. He came to fight the greatest evil of all. His name is Satan, and he lurks behind invisibly thinking that he can destroy you and me without our knowing it. He came to expose that guy. And he came to expose his friend, the flesh. And he came to expose our fear of death. No, Jesus had a tall order to fight with. He wasn't just coming for cosmetic reasons. He was coming for ideological reasons. He was coming to find out where the disease is and tear the disease out by the root. And if you're willing, he's able to dig in the garden of your heart and begin to remove those kinds of things that separate us from God. And separate us from one another. To break marriages. To break minds. To destroy bodies. Jesus has come to heal you and heal me. We serve a living Savior. We serve a cosmic Lord. We serve a deliverer. From the biggest problems that we've ever had. How many believe? How many have been delivered by Jesus in their heart? You've been delivered. How many of us have not been delivered yet, but you're you're curious about it? Come on, come on, liars. I'm gonna lie to me. Don't look at me that way either. I'm not the one that's tearing your life apart. I'm just trying to let you know what Jesus did and who Jesus is and what he can do. The same people that said, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Are the same ones like us that are so quick to betray Jesus as we are. So quick to forget about what Jesus has done in us. So quick to judge others and point to others and call ourselves the honest ones, the, the good ones. Well, we need to investigate. And we need to surrender our warfare to the King of glory. On the way to Jerusalem, they finally came into the city. There was there at Passover, they were getting ready for the Jewish Passover. And Jews came from all over the world to celebrate Passover. And they're doing that this week. Christians and Jews from all over the world. There was at, from 180,000 to 3 million people at Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. That's where Jesus came in with this throng. And Lazarus and the people he healed and the people he did miracles for, the people that loved Jesus, Mary that poured a pound of 
perfume on her on his feet and wiped it with her hair because he forgave her prostitutions. She loved him so much in God's way for forgiving her sins. And that's what Jesus can do for us today. To forgive our sins. And that is the heart of the kingdom of God. That Jesus came to let us know that Heavenly Father had a greater kingdom than a militant one. And so in a sense, paradoxically, you can say that as Jesus came into Jerusalem, although externally and materially from the standpoint of those that expected a militant takeover, that what he was demonstrating by riding on this donkey as Zechariah 9.9, the prophet Zechariah prophesies, here comes your king riding on the colt of a donkey. Lowly, it says. Lowly. Which means that's why he came in not on a stallion. Not on a palomino. Not on a horse like Genghis Khan. Not on a horse like Darius III or Alexander. He came in on a donkey. Humbly. And in a sense, it's triumphant because it begins to toll the bells of the end of Satan's kingdom. And he begins to shatter the rocks and shatter the chains of every sinner who's been beset by problems that you cannot and I cannot overcome. He has come to let you and me know that there is hope and deliverance from every sin that besets us. He came to let us know that you can be free if you give your entire life to Jesus and surrender the weapons of our spiritual warfare. The lying, the cheating, the dishonesty, the hatred, the bitterness, the racism, the judgment of others before we hear them out. Jesus came to introduce another kingdom. The kingdom of God that would shatter the powers of darkness. Those of us that have been saved and changed by Jesus know the power of the day that Jesus touched us. The power of the day when my addictions were shattered and the Lord has restored and gave restitution to my life and took me out of the evil of heroin and cocaine and lust and pride and arrogance and hatred and, and set me free now so I can come out and breathe deeply and share with others. I just walk around. Some of us walk around like the donkey. When we should be praising God like the donkey in numbers that spoke. You know God made a donkey speak? No. Say this, Jesus saves. Friend, let me tell you what the king has done for me. Friend, let me tell you that I was tied up and bound and he set me free. Friend, let me tell you, there's only hope in the name of Jesus. Put away the guns and the bullets and the missiles. Put away the caravans of tanks and let's get in the procession that leads to the temple. You know, one of the things that really catches my attention is the end of this passage in Mark where it says, 
And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked around about upon all things, that evening was coming, he left, Beth, he left the temple and went to Bethany. Now that, that doesn't sit right with me in a way because I expected the Johannine ending where Jesus goes in and walks out and just tears up the merchants and the robbers and beats the tar out of them. That's the Jesus I want. The get even Jesus. You know, I don't want a namby-pamby Jesus riding on a donkey. That's weird, especially if he's sitting side saddle. In, in Mark, he ends abruptly. I don't know how many people here like the word, but I like the word, and I just paid attention to this. I mean, why would Jesus just go? I'd rather have the Johannine ending that Jesus went in there and beat the tar out of people and turned them over. And, you know, you know, I, I like that kind of Jesus, you know, that, that does stuff like that. But that's just my flesh. You know what I mean? That's just like the, the, the side of me that likes to play football and tear people's head off and then, and then help them up. I'm sorry I hit you so hard, brother. But don't come over my side again. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. If you're not a hypocrite, say hosanna. Hosanna. So, guess why he walked out of the temple in Mark? The only thing I could think of, my friend. Are you listening? The only thing I could think of was that when he said, you tear this temple down and in three days, I will raise it up again, which is not that temple built by Herod. It was his body. He was talking about his, his body is the temple. We are the temple of the living Christ. His body is the temple. And guess what? The altar was not in the temple of Jerusalem. The altar was at a place outside of Jerusalem on a hill called Golgotha. And this whole procession on this Sunday leads to Golgotha, where Jesus would take this temple and lay it down on the altar of the cross as a living sacrifice acceptable to God that would forgive your sins and mine forevermore. And there is eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him and his cross, whoever reaches out and touches the blood of Jesus flowing from that stick, whoever anoints their heart and their mind with the blood, one drop of the blood of Jesus shall be saved forevermore. So that's this whole procession. We call the triumphal entry is triumphant in the sense that Jesus shattered the spiritual claws of Satan that dig deep into our hearts and minds. In that sense, it is triumphant because one cosmic Lord shattered an evil triumvirate of sin, Satan, and death so that you and I can be free.
Would you please stand with me? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment in this moment? I'm going to ask for those that are here that are strugglers along life's way. And you're fighting hard and you're fighting alone. The devil has bruised and battered your life. He's gotten the upper hand and it's like shattering you and destroying your life and 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 he's overwhelming your strength. He's overwhelming your ability to dig yourself out of that hole that he has brought you into and you need help. And, and today you would say, Preacher, I heard that Calvary's on the way. I heard that there's help on the way into the confines of my heart. I heard that there's a deliverer named Jesus who can give me the strength to overcome. And I would like to surrender I would like to remove my garments and expose the tattered holes of my undergarments. I'd like to lay my garments on that beast and I'd love to surrender them for Jesus to take his place. I'd like Jesus to come as a spiritual conqueror into my heart. And help me wage a battle against that formidable enemy called evil. And I like to surrender myself to Jesus and to say, here, Jesus, here I am. Clean my heart. Forgive my sins. Give me strength to stand up. I pray in your name. If that's you right now. Would you raise one hand or both hands? Just, I'm not going to ask you to come up here. Just slip your hand up. There you go. Slip it up all the way up here. Slip it up with me. I need that help. I see that hand. I see hands going up everywhere. That's a blessing. This may be the beginning of a new start for you. To allow King Jesus to set up his throne in your heart. And begin the process of citizenship for you in the kingdom of God, his father. Amen. Hallelujah. Pray this prayer with me, will you? Let's all say it together. Heavenly Father, I receive Jesus into my heart. Lord Jesus, come riding into my heart. Fly your flag over the parapets of my heart. I surrender to you. I lay my garments before you. I give you my tattered life. 
and exchange it for freedom. Forgive my sins that I've committed against God, myself, and others. And help me be the person that you want me to be. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.